Being a uh, pastor over now the past 10 years or so uh, has been one of the greatest blessings of my life. I can tell you uh, pretty much with 100% certainty that there really isn't any other profession like being a pastor. There are times, I can tell you, where one day I'll be counseling someone through one of the most difficult periods of their life, and the very next day I'll be doing construction, and then the next day I'll be giving a sermon, and the next day I'll be doing something else. It's always different, it's always fun, and I have loved being in ministry. Now, when I look back, though, one of the most difficult aspects for me uh, has always been preaching. You know, as I went through seminary, as I practiced, I was never a naturally gifted preacher. I was never somebody who could just command a room by his voice alone. I was never somebody who felt that comfortable on stage. I was always nervous. I was always a bit timid. But you see, there was this conversation that I had years back that really changed the way that, not only that I preached, but the way that I did ministry. Years ago, I uh, had given a sermon, and I had felt kind of iffy about it because I I felt timid, I I felt nervous about myself, and, and all those different things. And the next day, I went to go eat with my father. And we were eating together, we were talking just about life and about church, and all of a sudden he said, uh, I listened to your previous sermon. And immediately, you know, I was on edge, right? Immediately I was kind of uh, waiting for, for the worst. Um, but my dad actually, did, he didn't say anything really more than that. He just asked one simple question to me. He said, Danny, do you believe what you're saying to the very depths of your bones? That was the only thing. I'll repeat it. Danny, do you believe what you're saying to the very depths of your bones? And for me at that time, I had to really pause and really reevaluate my heart. Because for me, I had studied the Bible for years. I knew his word, and I did believe in it. But you see, church, there is a difference between believing in God's word and believing it to the very depths of your bones. Because when you believe it with all of your heart to the very depths of who you are, it gives you a confidence unlike any other. Because you know that in whatever circumstance that you're in, no matter whatever situation that you are facing, the word of God will prevail. You understand that God's promises are sure, that his character is everlasting. And so if you believe this to the very depths of who you are, then it will transform your life. It has transformed the way that I give sermons. It has transformed the way that I do ministry. And it has transformed my life from my realization when my father spoke to me. You see, I'm speaking about this because right now we're in the book of Luke. And what we see is in the first chapter of verse 4, Luke, he talks about why he wrote this gospel. 
He says, I am writing an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. You see, Luke, Luke wrote this gospel for Theophilus to have certainty concerning the things he had been taught. That word certainty in the Greek is just another word for stability or safety. It's used in Acts 5 where it says the prison doors were securely shut. They were so certainly shut that no one could come in or go out. So the idea in Luke 1.4 is that Luke is telling the people and he's telling us, look, I don't want you just to be taught. I don't want you just to know. I want you to know for, for, with so much certainty that it's at the very depths of your being. Because if you allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to be at the very depths of who you are, then it will change your life forever. Then you have the key to a Christian life. Because it means that no matter what situation that you're facing, no matter how hard you are struggling, no matter how long you have waited, you can have joy in all circumstances. Because you put God's word above yourself. You put God's word above your circumstances. You put God's word above your emotions. God's word is first, you believe it to the very depths of who you are. And so it doesn't matter what's happening around you. It doesn't matter how discouraged other people are. It doesn't matter how disappointed you may be. You trust in God's word to the very depths of who you are. And that is what is going to continue to fuel you. Not how good things are. Not how bad things are. God's word. That's it. That is your very center. If you have certainty in the word of God, you will be unshakable as a person. You see, the early church in Acts, they had this type of mentality. They had this belief in themselves. And it's why when we read about this, about this church, it's amazing because they survived three centuries of persecution. They saw people die in front of them. They were ridiculed for their beliefs. And yet because they were so certain of the truth of God in their lives, they were able to look in the face of disease, of abandonment, and of disappointment and still have joy. Because they knew that even if their circumstances changed, the word of God and his promises do not change. It's why, you see, church, Paul was able to say that he was content in all circumstances whether he was shipwrecked, whether he was in prison, whether in health or in sickness, he was content for one reason, because to live for him is Christ and to die is gain. He believed that with his entire soul, with, to the very depths of his being. And it's why he's able to write these letters in prison, knowing that he could die the next day. And he's writing these letters in encouragement. He's trying to encourage people, even though he's the one in prison. He's saying, look, I can have joy in all circumstances. I'm good right now. I'm happy. Because for me, I have Jesus Christ in the very center of who I am. And not only that, I am so certain of that. I am so certain of God's promises for me. And so whether I'm here, whether I get out, whether I die today, or whether I die in 20, 30, 40 years, 
I am content in where I am. Church, that's my question for you today. Do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ to the very depths of your bones? Do you believe in the word of God to the very depths of who you are? Because I know for a lot of us, look, as Christians, many of us have grown up in the church. Many of us have been raised here. We've gone to youth group, we've gone to youth group in churches. We've, we've gone to Sunday services year after year after year. And what can end up happening is that we end up hearing the word, but it never really sinks into us. We hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it never really impacts us. And so I'm asking you today to break that. Focus on what's important. Do you truly believe that the words that are being spoken today, that the words that we just read on the screen, do you truly believe to the very depths of your bones that that is who you are, that that is what you believe? If it is, you have the key to the Christian life. If it is, then you will be able to stay content in all circumstances. If it is, then you will understand 1 Thessalonians 5, where it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. You are able to do that. You are able to rejoice always. You are able to pray continually. You are able to give thanks in all circumstances for one reason, because the word of God is in the very depths of your bones, and it is greater than any circumstance or situation that you are facing. You see, church, as we have gone through now chapter 1, and we're, we're still in chapter 1, going to the birth of Jesus Christ, what we see is that this angel shows up to this teenage girl named Mary. Now, what we know about Mary is, is that she was just this normal girl. She's poor. She was only about 13 years old. But you see, the angel tells her that she is favored by God. And that in verse 31, she will conceive and bear a son and, quote, you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. You see, this angel doesn't speak to Mary for very long. But in his words are clues as to who this baby will be. What kind of person and what kind of character this Jesus will have. The first thing that the angel says to the, about this baby named Jesus is that he will be God. Verse 32, it says, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. You see, this is a title that's first used of God in Genesis 14, where God is called God Most High. And what we see in the Old Testament is that it's continually used to show God's power and God's majesty. And so there's a particular reason why Luke would say it this way. There's a particular reason why the angel would describe Jesus as a son of the Most High. You see, when the Israelites were upset, when they were afraid because things weren't going their way, it was in those times that the Bible would describe God as the Most High to show that all things are under his power and under his timing. Lamentations 3.37, it says, He is the sovereign over all that is evil and all that is good. In other words, everything that happens, 
whether that's good in your life, whether that's bad, God has power over those things. Psalm 47.2 says, The Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. In other words, he is, he is God over all things. Nature over you, over your school, over your work, over your friends. Luke brings out this title of majesty and power to proclaim that God is over everything. Everything. And that this little baby to be born from the Virgin Mary is the son of the Most High God. You see, Jesus being the son of the Most High God means just simply that Jesus bears the same essence as God. Jesus isn't just some type of good prophet. He isn't just a really great man. He is fully God. And his power and characteristics are the same. You see, John, he repeats this again and again in his gospel. John tells us that Jesus said that he had a right to do whatever he wanted on the Sabbath because he, like God, was Lord of the Sabbath. He said that he and his father, God, were one. He said that any man who knows me knows my father, and who knows the father knows me. You see, for us, as we read through the New Testament, as we read through the Gospels, we have seen the power of Jesus Christ. We have been able to read about his majesty, about his greatness, about how he has dominion over all things. We have seen Jesus heal the sick, give sight to the blind, and we have even seen him chase out demons and raise people from the dead. But here's the thing. There are other people who are able to do that. We saw other prophets in the Bible doing those same things, other powerful people. But here's the thing. There was one miracle that only Jesus was able to do. And it was when Jesus went up to Calvary, when he took our place on the cross, when he died for our sins, and when he rose again. See, Jesus Christ is God. And that's why he was able to take the weight of our sins and not be crushed under it. You see, Jesus Christ is God. And that's why he was able to go and endure those things and still be perfect, even in the midst of suffering and of hardship. Jesus Christ is God. And that's why even from his birth all the way to his death and his resurrection, he was able to live a sinless life. And because Jesus Christ is God, Three days after his death, he was able to rise again, defeating death and defeating sin, so that when we put our faith in him, we can go to heaven as well. There is nothing more powerful than God. Church, I pray that this gives you so much hope for your future. Because if Jesus Christ fulfilled his promise to overcome this world, and to give you a hope and a future in heaven, what can't he do for you? If Jesus Christ was able to do the greatest miracle of all time, then won't he also fulfill the miracle that he has promised in your life? Romans says that if God is for you, then who can really be against you? There is nobody who is allowed to touch you without the permission of God. 
There is nothing that is allowed to happen to you without the permission of God. In other words, if you truly believe that God is all-powerful, then there is nothing in this world that can thwart his plans and his will for your life. But you see, church, Jesus isn't just God. He's also completely and fully man. In verse 31, the angel tells Mary, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. You see, that's, that would have been impossible because what we know is that Mary was a virgin. She says that in verse 34. But we see in chapter 2, verse 7, she gave birth to her firstborn. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, the birth of Jesus was interesting because the conception was supernatural, but the rest was completely normal. Mary became pregnant without a man. But after that, what we know is that it was a normal development for a baby. It was, was quote-unquote, a normal childhood for a baby. The shepherds were even told that they would find a baby in a manger. Not an alien, not God, not something else like that. But simply, they would find a baby in a manger. Galatians 4.4 says that Jesus was born of a woman under the law. What we also see is that the Gospels continually emphasize how human Jesus was. Jesus grows up like every child. In chapter 2, verse 52, it says that he grew in wisdom and maturity. Jesus grew in wisdom. He had to grow in maturity. His human growth was normal. He lived and breathed and experienced the world. We see that he was hungry. He was thirsty. He was fatigued. He was troubled. He was upset. And there were times when he cried so much that his heart would ache. He felt what we felt and laughed and cried the way that we do. Now, church, why would the Bible emphasize Jesus' humanity so much. It's for the reason that only a man could be a substitute for a man on the cross. Jesus needed to go through our temptations, to suffer in the way that humans suffer, and to die as a man would die so that he could take our sins from us. Look, church, this means that when we pray to our God, we're not praying to a God who is apathetic, who doesn't understand us or, or doesn't care about us. Our God is a personal God who understands our temptations, who understands our struggles, who have gone through every single thing that we have gone through and yet was able to stay perfect through it. And because he knows us so intimately and because he knows us so well, he is able to cater situations and circumstances in ways that are meant for us to grow and learn upon. It means that there are things in your life and the, and the things that are in your life are there for a reason. And yet at the same time, the things that are not in your life are supposed to not be there too. Jesus Christ is a personal God who knows you and walks with you in every moment of your life. And lastly, what we see is that the angel tells Mary that this baby to be born will be the Savior. 
Verse 31 says, you'll bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. You see, Jesus literally means Jehovah saves. What the angel was proclaiming when he said Jesus is that this baby was going to be the savior of the world. 1 Timothy 1.15 says that Christ came to the world to save sinners. Luke 19.10 says, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. See, Jesus didn't just come to live a sinless life. Jesus didn't just come to heal the sick or to, to heal the blind or to raise people back from the dead. You see, Jesus came to be our Savior. And the reason why is because this world was lost in sin. And for us, no matter what we did, there was nothing that could separate us from the evil that was happening. Because you see, for us, we accepted sin. Sin was in our lives. And therefore, for God to eradicate sin meant that he would need to eradicate us. And so there was only one option. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, down to earth to live a perfect life, to live a sinless life, and yet at the same time to die a sinner's death so that when he went on the cross, he took our place where we were supposed to be, the wrath that we were supposed to face, the hell that we were supposed to go through. Jesus took that, and he died in our place. And yet what we know is that that's not the end of the story. Because three days later, Jesus Christ rises again. He stepped out from death, and he overcame sin. And because of his power, because of his majesty, because he is God, when we put our faith in him, when we trust in him as our personal Savior and Lord, he promises that there is a place for us in heaven, that we can have eternal life with him. That is our hope as Christians. That is the truth of our lives. There is nothing greater for us, church, and you see, when you put your hope upon that one thing, if you truly believe that to the very depths of your bones, don't you realize that you can endure any circumstance, that you can go through any trial? Because if Jesus Christ was willing to go through that, won't he also take care of you? Won't he also fulfill all the promises that he has promised in your life as well? So hold on to these truths. Hold on to what Jesus Christ has said in the Bible and believe in it to the very depths of who you are. If you do, you will have hope for the future, church. If you do, then you will be stable in all circumstances. You see, this is what the angel proclaimed to Mary. You will bear a son. It will be a miraculous birth. And there are three things about him that you need to know. He will be fully God. He will be fully man. And he is the savior that this world has been waiting for. Church, do you believe this to the very depths of your bones? If you do, then I just have one simple thing I want to encourage you with. You see, our faith is a gift from God. It is something that is given from God through the Holy Spirit 
so that we can grow in our faith, so that we can have this and, and move forward. But as much as he has given to you, he also expects much from you. If you believe with certainty that Jesus Christ has set you free and has given you everything, then the question now should be, God, what can I do for you? God, how can I serve you? God, I, I want to use my talents, my, the things that I have for your glory. Even in my weakness, God, would you use me powerfully? Church, I pray and I hope that this would be your mindset as we head forward into 2023. Because I believe God has something special in store for this church. And I believe God has special, something special in store for you. But it's not going to be through your talents. It's not going to be through your hard work. It is going to be your, in your trust in God's word. What we see in the Bible again and again is that God honors those who honor him. And so the question now is, are you going to honor him? Will you hold on to his truths? Will you hold on to it more than anything else? And if you do, I believe that 2023 will be a year unlike any other in your life. Our church will go through major transitions. Your life may go through major transitions. Something may happen. I don't know, good or bad. But there is one thing that is sure. There is one thing that is promised. There is one thing that endures, and that is the word of God. It will not change. Amen? That's all. So let's just believe in the gospel. Let it shape you and mold you and see how God works in your life. Okay? Let's pray.